God and country. God and country is not equal. I think it's a replacement for king and country. But God and country are not equal. Maybe you've heard these next few words before. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We should not elevate these phrases above Scripture. They're not even equal with Scripture. But I want you to just kind of look at some words that were in there that people might have issue with and problem with today. Of course, that was a section from the Declaration of Independence. And it provides that we were what? Evolved? No, it, was provi- it provides that we were created. And that there is a creator that provides us with our rights. We're endowed by our creator. So that's how, on this July 4th, as we remember the Declarations of Independence and its signing in 1776, we think about what they were looking at at that time. They had the thoughts that they were created and that they were endowed by their creator, and that the governments were in place to do certain things. And you will find in Scripture the concept of why the government is there. You'll find that in the New Testament. We're not going to go in that today. But if you want to be patriotic, if you want to serve your country well, serve God first. Scripture tells us Thou shalt have no other gods before me. King and country are not to be before God. Rather individually. Or merge together. You can't merge together God and country and make that and say now that is equivalent with God. I've said God and country, I said God first, and then I said country. So now God and country are, no, it's God first, then you can go wherever you want after that. Because God guides the rest of it. It's not, well, it's for God and country, so I've equated those two together. And so if those are my guiding principles, I'm good. It's unfortunate that sometimes in our Facebook and our social posts, you will look out, especially during election times, that our discourse does not seem to be guided by our relationship with God. It's the fervor by which people debate would seem to elevate their politics above God and that God is not guiding, again, how they speak and approach. Dr. Dennis Kenlaw, I heard him speak one time, and he, in his message, I won't go into what the message, the rest of the message, but he, one of his statements, uh, It's very interesting that when we come to every four times, every four years, we assign messianic properties to the individual that's running for president, that they will solve all, be all, cure all, resolve all. We shouldn't put our hope there. Now, 
we should seek beyond our salvation first, beyond our relationship with God. First, of course, we want a relationship with God. We want to put God first. But in this concept, it should mean, because it's God's word, that we should have a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. Now, what is a biblical worldview? Think of us looking at the, the world through biblically covered glasses. Some people might say a Christian worldview. I'm not sure that you can equate a Christian worldview with a biblical worldview. A Christian worldview, we kind of morph and change the definition of Christianity, it seems, in the United States. But a biblical worldview seems more appropriate. And like saying, what is a biblical worldview? Now, the, there's an individual by the name of Del Tackett. Now, I haven't read a lot of his writings or anything, but I want to at least make the reference that Del Tackett gives us kind of an illustration in an article posted by Focus on the Family entitled, What is a Christian Worldview? And there might be a difference between Christian worldview, as I said, and a biblical worldview, but let me quote what he said. For example, let's suppose you have bought the idea that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And he puts in brackets then, parentheses, secular relative truth. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder is a secular relative truth. And I'll come back to that in a minute. As opposed to beauty as defined by God's purity and creativity, which is absolute truth, then any art piece, no matter how vulgar or abstract, would be considered art, a creation of beauty. Let me read it again. Let me give you a couple reminders here. Secular relative truth means what I think is beautiful and what you think is beautiful doesn't have to match, but if I think it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Versus what God says is beautiful Absolute truth. For example, the quote again, let's suppose you have bought the idea that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, which is a secular native truth, relative truth, secular relative truth, as opposed to beauty as defined by God's purity and creativity, absolute truth. Then any art piece, no matter how vulgar or abstract, would be considered art, a creation of beauty. How many things of art, how many things of art degrade the crucifixion of Christ, and they call that art. If you degrade something or draw the picture about Muhammad, you're not allowed to do that. But if we have a relative relationship, relative mor morality, what I think is beautiful or what I think is right is right. There's no construct or guidance or principles. That's not a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is as I look at the world, I look at situations, and I look on how I conduct myself, and as I look at how I make decisions, I base it on a biblical worldview. That's where I begin. Relativism versus absolutes. What I say is okay for me is okay. There is no absolute that leads to anarchy. 
self-control is really no one can tell me what I should and shouldn't do. Can you see that today? No one can tell me what I should and shouldn't do. Different political factions go that route. And some that are even becoming more in the mainstream go that route. No one can tell me what I should and shouldn't do. I know, for I am my own God. Genesis 3.5 tells us, remember Genesis 3.5, the story is depicted in Genesis chapter 3, is the fall. When God says, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent came and tempted them and says, hey, Genesis 3, 5, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, the temptation was to be like God. I want to elevate myself to God. I will determine what's right and wrong. That goes back to the fall of man and of sin. And you can see in our United States, we are all the way back to this individualism, this elevation of a relativistic view of the world versus a biblical worldview acted out is basically no law can bound us. No law can control us. No constitution, no Bible. Think about that. No law can bound us, no constitution, no Bible. That democracy cannot be bounded by a constitution, let alone by a Bible. How many times have you heard in the news, democracy is at risk? Democracy is at risk. You may not know or may not be aware, and I don't know if they teach these things anymore, but democracy, a pure democracy, means mob rule. Whatever the mob wants. So you get together, and the most powerful people get together, and they make the rules, they got to have somebody in charge, so they put those people in charge, and those people are called dictators or kings. Or the Politburo. Somebody you put in rule because it's a mob rule. Versus what we have is more of a democratic republic. We have representatives, but it is that there are principles to where you are bounded from. There are principles that bound you. We as Christians are bounded by the Scripture. We are Christians. Our Constitution is the Bible. So the reason people want democracy over a democratic republic is with a pure democracy, there are no boundaries. Not even the Constitution binds a pure democracy. They certainly don't want bounded by the Bible. 
and the Constitution and our laws are very close to the Bible. They certainly aren't going to like the Declaration of Independence that says that we are endowed by our Creator. They do not want any bounding to their democracy. The democracy is playground rule. Whoever the most people are and whoever the biggest, they're bounded by. You can't go to the teacher and ask the teacher. There's no rules. Well, they'll change the rules on the fly. This is the problem. This is the United States' problem. We've lost our biblical worldview. But beyond that, there's self-rule. Not even ruled by a constitution and boundaries. So that's why they're having so much problem. Democracy is at stake, but we're not a democracy because in a democracy, minorities have no rights. Minorities of thought, I should say, have no rights, no privilege. It's the bullies that win. In Deuteronomy 19, 15 through 17, one of the solutions to the United States' problem, the United States' problem of not being bounded as citizens by anything, not a constitution, but more, not even by the Bible. In Deuteronomy 19, 15 through 17, it says, One witness, I got my references mixed up, but we're going to go with this one. Deuteronomy 19, 15 through 17, I want to show you some examples of how the Bible has influenced the way we do things in the past. And while we need to return to a biblical worldview, where we think about other people, not just ourselves. One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. If a false witness rises against any man to testify against him or wrongdoing, then both men in the controversy shall stand before the Lord, before the priest and the judges who serve in those days. What you read in there was... It's not just by one witness. You need more than one witness. And you better not be lying when you witness. What do we call that today? We call that perjury. And if you're lying, then you're going to stand up with the person that was in trouble, and you're going to have to stand before the priest and the judges to deliberate your case. Wow, that sounds a little bit like uh, the way we do courts and things today, isn't it? Not one witness is going to fly, and you better not be lying because you're going to get in trouble, and you're going to have to stand up before the judge too because there's judges, some deliberative body, not the deliberative body doing laws, but this is the law of the people that are judging your guilt and innocence. It's not we're going to go out and we're going to stand you before a bunch of people, and they're all going to vote. Yes, we have a jury. The jury of your peers, but who makes sure that the rules are followed? The priests and the judges in this case. You can see some of the formings of those things. But in the public 
the court of public opinion, sometimes we look to our newspapers and things like that, and we look to journalists, and, and we take it as fact. And what I'm suggesting to you, if the Bible says, where, not with one witness, but by two or three, when you see something on social media, please check it. Please check it out. Just see if it's true. Just don't repeat the rumors and run them through and carry them forward. Check it out. Don't be like the journalist of today who violated what journalism used to be, which was, might sound similar, don't go out with just one witness. Verify your sources, at least. Do some research. Make sure it's right. We don't, even, we don't do that today because it's not about fairness to individuals. It's about me and my credit what I want, there's no principles. The principles we run by are whatever principles that benefit me. In Exodus 23, verse 1, it says, You shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Now, how many times have you pushed that button and shared it on Facebook and it's a false report? Did you even check? Were you even concerned with it being a false report? Or was it really hot and it really supported your argument? So I'm just going to push it. I'm just going to push it. And let me caution you again, you are not the determiner of whether someone is a Christian or not by saying, if you don't post this, you must not love God. Can I say, how dare you? That's not your job. You're not the arbiter and should not be guilting people into parroting what you just said. You've elevated yourself, don't do that. Matthew 7, 12. While, while you're thinking on that scripture or, it, or it's coming up, you ever heard of things like don't murder, don't steal? I think those are in the book, of, are in the Bible as well. Don't murder, don't steal. You ever see those come up in, with, in laws and things? Well, that's just natural. Where, what do you mean just natural? Just natural. People kill in other places. Do what they are. What's natural is the survival of the fittest. God brings these laws to lay a foundation to protect not just the strong, but the weak. You ever heard of the golden rule? You ever heard of this scripture? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. How is what I'm about to do going to impact other people? Not just lift me up because I got a great following. They're like, well, I am not a politician. I am not this, I am not that. But how many of us govern our lives and our opinions based on how many likes or clicks we get? Oh, that's really cool. Or how much controversy that we can turn up. A 
Again, we're hearing democracy, democracy, not democracy, but there's no rights for the minority in the democracy. It's a mob rule. There's no principled guidance. You see how much trouble they're having with anything from the Constitution? I'm not elevating the Constitution to the Bible, but it's democracy, democracy. They don't talk about the Democratic Republic, which is our country. And the reason is, it's I want my way, 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 I want my way. But in the midst of what you're dealing with, in the midst that you have a decision in your life, you have to, you have to have something, some principle to guide you past your emotion. Because when you're distraught, you think bad things. When you're distraught and angry, you might act out. You're going to justify hitting that car on the road because he cut you off. You're going to justify chasing him down because he cut you off. You're going to justify confronting him unless you have principle. It's okay to flip them off because they did this to me first. How childish. At least it used to be, but I guess it's the adult thing to do now. In a pure democracy, the loudest voice wins. That's why we don't have a pure democracy in the United States. The problem is people want a pure democracy. They don't want to be governed or taught by anyone. Democracy is at stake. I hope so. Because we want to operate on a... We lift up democracy as like it's God. Democratic Republic, which we have, is that principled thing, those shared principle that everybody in a time of calmness determines. When people sign a will, being of sound mind and body, it'd be nice to have a country. We could say, being of a sound mind and body, we've thought this through and all the ramifications, and we've prayed about it, and seek the Bible because we want to live by a biblical worldview. The problem, the United States problem is me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. I'm God. Whatever I can get a bunch of other people say, we'll make the decisions for everybody else. And if you don't like it, we're going to cancel you, snub you out, destroy your business, destroy your stuff, separate your family. We're going to take over. We're going to teach your children. We're going to tell them that it's our way. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 is our solution. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. I'll wait till they bring it on the screen for me. In the first part of this, see it says there, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Next verse. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. 
That's the admonition to you. Admonition number one, what's the next part? And these words, verse 6, And these words shall I command you, today shall be in your heart. This is your guiding principle, love me with all. And we know in the New Testament, Jesus adds, it includes the rest of it, and love your neighbor as yourself. But verse 7, it says, You shall teach them diligently. Verse 6 again. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. In every aspect of your life, you should be teaching your children. You should be modeling to your children a biblical worldview. Meaning, as I conduct myself, the Bible would instruct me that I should pray about it. As I have decisions, I should be praying about it. Hey, Dad, we're going to get that new car? Well, Mommy and Daddy are praying about it. As you deal with the tragedies of the day, so-and-so is sick. What we're going to do about it? We're going to pray about it. Is it okay if I, well, let's see what the Bible has to say. A biblical worldview. You can put it out there, and later if we got, we keep reading in those scriptures. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Those were methods at that time to make sure it was always there. But to have a biblical worldview, to live a biblical worldview, to teach a biblical worldview, you need to first know your Bible. And what is one of the biggest things I would say that's missing in our churches today is we have low biblical literacy. We don't know our Bibles. I was listening to someone and they basically concepted that the government is a reflection of a lagging indicator of where society is. And society is a lagging indicator of where the spirituality is of a country. The churches, I would say, have lost their influence. And they can blame all kinds of people. But at some point, along the way, we became dependent on ourselves. At some point along the way, we stopped preaching the Bible and preaching the Scripture and teaching the Bible and teaching the Scripture, and we started bringing in other books from the outside, and we started saying, it's okay. Divorce is okay. Homosexuality is okay. Gay marriage is okay. 
Getting drunk on Saturday before church on Sunday is okay. Celebrating single-parent homes is okay. I could keep going with the list. And now... We don't worry about the biblical worldview. We worry about allowing the influences to come from people that do whatever they want because they have money to do whatever they want. We listen to the celebrities. We listen to the influences because we're worried about the clicks. We're worried about the, what people might say. We used to even sing a song. Though none go with me, Still, I will follow. That means if dad doesn't go with me, still I will follow. That means if mom doesn't go with me, still I will follow. That means if my wife or my husband don't go with me, still I will follow. I follow God regardless. We have to reinforce those things to our children. We have to reinforce those things to each other. We have to have a biblical world view and to do that we got to know our bible read our bible not people telling you what the bible says because they might be telling you the wrong things but preacher you're telling us my hope is that i'm telling you things that are consistent with the bible and you know that because we put the scriptures up here or you know your bible i'm accountable to the word of god and you should hold me accountable to the Lord of God. I would expect that. The problem with America is we're depraved. Depravity comes from that sin nature that comes all the way back that we're born with, and we have a depraved mind. It's all about me. It's the seagulls in Finding Nemo. Me, 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 me. It's like the children that taking the toys from someone else. But now, if the toy, kids want to take toys from someone else, that might be okay, right? Because the other kids all agreed that I want your toys. And since we all agreed, we get your toys. Is that the way we want things to run? Because that's the way we're doing it today, like the children in the play box. Don't want to be ruled by anyone. No rules. Anarchy. Complete self-determination. Have you ever used this phrase? You can do anything you set your mind to. And that's a lie. I can look out to you and look at you, and I could say most of you are not going to throw a football 100 yards. But what if I really, really wanted to? I don't really care. It's not going to happen. You can't do anything that you set your mind to. They want to create life. They want to do all these things. I can do anything I set my mind to. That's a lie. It's basically saying, I'm God. If I say it and I want it, I can do it. It's a lie. We're perpetuating the lie. 
Not every child that plays soccer or baseball or basketball is going to play in the pros. And we set them up as though, yeah, you're going to make it. You're going to be big time. There's no reality in that. You're going to put anything you put your mind to. Self-determination. There are no boundaries to what I can do, what I want. If I want it, I can have it. If I want it, I can have it. If I want it, I can have it. God, give it to me. The name it, claim it, religions. God's just a tool, a puppet. I'm going to declare it to God that I want it, and God will give it to me. No controls. No boundaries. See, if I had a biblical worldview, if I was bounded by the Bible, the constitutional concept is very difficult for people without a biblical worldview. If I am bounded by the Bible, and these control the principles that I live by, it's not hard for me to understand to have a principled document like a constitution that I live by. And we would find some consistencies to protect other people with. But see, without a biblical worldview, our, our, our country starts falling apart. Because it was designed around that concept, I'm living principle based on the value of other people and the freedoms of other people. Do they think without the biblical worldview allowing people to have choices? If you go to a Muslim country, you are allowed to be a Muslim. They complain about how closed-minded the Christians are and want in a certain way, but it's the Christians that allow for those freedoms. It's the individualism, the elevation of a relativistic view without God that is the problem of the United States. It means that no law can bound me, no constitution, no boundary. Democracy can't be bounded. No declaration of independence that depends on the rights that come from God. And that's what we end up with. That's a problem. We need more God. And church, this church, other churches, we need more God. People don't want to come to God, but we've got to model it. We got to model it in our household. We got to model it in our marriages. And stop having marriages. If you think you're going to fall out of love with them, then you probably shouldn't be getting married in the first place. It's destroying the home. They want to destroy the home. Destroy the home where the teaching is supposed to take place so that they can do this teaching and embodying in their minds the relativistic view and not a biblical worldview. 
I dare say in the Christian realms, we're going to see more and more homeschooling because the God that some of us might have seen in school when we're, going, we're growing up is no longer there. It's not being taught. It's not being allowed. No preachers. No Christianity. The problem with the United States is we need God. We need God. And we need to model it for others. Let's be standing together. Lord, on this July 3rd, the day before July 4th, we reflect on our United States and the freedom that we've enjoyed as Christians to worship. But Lord, we're a country that's in great turmoil. Self has been elevated to God, anarchy rules. Even the laws that are there, some choose not to obey. The people in places of authority don't even want to enforce the laws that exist because they've determined that they're the king or they're in power. People want a pure democracy because they don't want to be under the rule of anyone. They don't want to be rule of any principles, let alone anything that resembles the Bible. But in the churches, we've gotten soft. We don't expect our members to abide by the word of God. We don't hold them accountable. We don't lift up the word of God above everything else. Help us, the Lord, as we endeavor to in this church to do that, that you are in charge. You're Word is our guide. Our constitution is as you would, the Lord, that we might guide and follow you. Help us to do that, to be strong in that, to teach it to our children, not just in word, but how we conduct ourselves. And may the churches remember who they are, and we would be better those that are fake churches, that they would just go away. They're not helping. Help us to have a revival in this country to return to you and biblical principles. May we have a biblical worldview being taught in our homes and our households. Oh Lord, if we could, even in our schools. Help us to stay strong. And if none go with us, still I will follow. Help us to be that shining light on the hill. Not be complacent in the gifts and the freedoms that you have given us, but be obedient to you. Not raise God and country, but raise you. Not to lift country up equal with you. Just guide and direct and model your character, your desires, your will throughout this holiday, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.